This morning, I, I really feel like the Lord's given me a powerful word for our church today. It's called the residue of re- rejection. The residue of rejection, the book of Matthew chapter 10. I'm going to begin at verse 11. Verse 11. Now, whatever city or town you enter, inquire who in it is worthy and stay there until you go out. And when you go into a household, greet it. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. Let me say that again. If it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whoever will not receive you, receive you, nor hear your words, when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from on your feet, feet. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep sheep amidst wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Would you pray with me today? Father, today, God, I ask that you would open up our hearts that we might hear from heaven. Spirit of God, we ask that every distraction in the natural realm and in the spirit realm would be bound, that we might open up our hearts and that our, uh, our minds and our hearts and our lives would be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, help us to begin to become open to you and that what you desire to do within our hearts and within our lives. I ask that your will would begin to prevail and that, God, that you would begin to accomplish your divine purpose and your divine plan in our lives today. Help me to preach. Give me strength in my body. Give me strength in my mind. And may my words be your words. I ask in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. God bless you today. Hallelujah. I'm excited. If you're taking notes, write this down. Our God is a helper. When you talk about the nature of God, when you want to begin to describe God, one of the primary words that you can use to describe God is that He is our helper. He's not only a helper, He is inherently in His nature a helper. In fact, we know by the psalmist David who wrote in Psalms 46, Verse 1, that God is our refuge and a strength, a very present help in time of trouble. His mere presence is the presence of help. He doesn't have to do anything. He just has to be wherever he is, there's help. You and I don't have to depend on our history. We don't have to depend upon a testimony of his activity in in our past or in someone else's past to have the assurance that God is moving and helping now and is moving and helping in our future because that is who God is. It's just who he is. And so whatever he's doing, he's helping us. And when he's not doing anything, he's helping us. Come on, somebody help me today. So if he's doing something, he's helping me. And if he's doing nothing, he's still helping me because that's God's nature in my life. God not only wants to be a helper in my life, but he has created me to be a helper to others because God has created us in our, in his image. We are created and naturally should have the inclination when we become born again Christians to help other people. Come on, somebody help me today. 
God's not only a helper, but he's called us. If you was to summarize your purpose, your purpose would be to help other people. That's just it in a summary. That is our purpose in a summary. And if we're going to carry out this sacred duty, it's imperative that we embrace the reality that Jesus is communicating to his disciples in this message. And the Gospel of Matthew, he is saying that our ability to help people is not just determined by our willingness, it is equally affected by people's openness to receive that help. Let me say that again. Our ability to help people and for our ability to get help from God, might I add, our ability to help people and our ability to receive help from God is not just determined by our willingness. It is equally affected by people's openness. We've heard it said like this, God helps those who help themselves. First of all, that's not biblical. And second of all, it's not true. God helps those who open up themselves for help. I said, God helps those who open themselves up to receive God's help. You can't help yourself. You need God. You need the help in, the, in your life. You can't fix your life. You can't save your life. You can't heal your life. You can't walk in peace without the Prince of Peace in your life. Therefore, you have to open yourself up to Him to receive Him that you might, what? Be able to be intimate with Him. Jesus said it this way. He said, I stand at the door and knock. I stand at the door and knock, the book of Revelation 3.20. And if anyone hears my voice and does what? Open the door, I will come into him and dine with him, and he will be with me. Jesus is standing on the door. Watch what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, I'm knocking at the door of somebody's heart, but it's their openness that determines whether we have intimacy or not. I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. I want to have intimacy. I want to bring about change, but it's their openness that determines my effectiveness because it's not the anointing of God that determines whether someone gets helped. It's their openness. I can preach all the words till I'm blue in the face. I can be as anointed as anybody that you think is a biblical hero, and it will not change you unless you are open to receive help from the Lord and you begin to apply that word to your life. So it's not about whether you are here, it is whether you are open while you're here. It's not about do you want something, but are you open to allow God to do something in your life? Listen to me, church. I'm talking about several aspects of rejection today. And there's a way that, and a place that you can get in life, if you're not careful, in which your posture will change to a protective place, and you'll protect your heart, and you'll become callous and indifferent, and you'll make changes in your philosophy. They will become unbiblical philosophies, because then you will begin to get to a place, if you're not careful, that you'll say, I'll never do for anybody else anything else because of what this person did to me. There are people that are not here today 
because they have closed their hearts off. Not because God doesn't want to do anything in in their life, but because they've closed their hearts off in rejection because of what someone else has done. Well, the pastor I used to know, well, the church I used to go, well, the deacon board where I came from, well, the Christians that I once knew, come on, somebody help me. And if we're not careful, we'll allow that door to shut as we become cynical to the things of God and not open to the move of God. And the truth is, is that no matter how much you sit in the right place and no matter how much you hear the right things, until you open up your heart that Jesus is knocking on, there will be no change. I can sit in a Maverick concert. That doesn't make me a world-class singer. I can sit in a restaurant. Boy, I can really sit in a restaurant. That don't make me a world-class chef. I can be in the right environment, but not have openness and therefore not have change. In fact, I can, I can look the part. I can be baptized in every pond, every tadpole knows my name, but that doesn't mean that I have an open heart and got... Did y'all catch that? That was a good saying right there. That's a Brother Baggett statement right there. I was baptized in every pond, every tadpole knows my name. That doesn't get you to heaven. It's your openness. Jesus is standing at the door. And if we're not careful, we'll be bound in bitterness. And that bitterness will become a barrier to God. Not by what God is doing or not doing, but by how we have interacted with other people and other churches. I tell people all the time, please don't bring your other church stuff in our church. Come on, somebody help me. They, 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 everybody in this town, when I first got here, you go, do you know what? There used to be an Assembly God church. You want me to tell you what happened? No, I don't want to know what happened. I don't care what happened then. That was 14, 15, 20 years ago. I don't want to bring that junk into today. I want to shut that door of a bitterness and open a door of openness. I'm trying to see if there's anybody honest enough in this house, to simply admit that we can feel the hurt and pain of rejection by simply trying to help people. Just simply trying to help people. Just simply, I'm just trying to go to church. I'm trying to mind my own business. And there's some people that don't mind their own business. And it's some of those people that don't mind their business and wants to make everybody's business their business that begin to hurt people that bring them to the place that they close their hearts towards God. And I think one day there's going to be a payday for every word that comes out of our mouth. And that's why we must be careful that we operate in the nature of God and the nature of God is to help people. My hand should always be extended to help. And if my hand can't be extended to health, my mouth ought to be shut. Look what, look what Jesus is saying here in chapter 10. He, he's saying to his disciples, he said, you guys, you've, you've gone through the theological residency with me here, and I'm about to give you an internship. You're about to go out, and you're about to do it. So I'm about to get you together. And he, so he prepares them, and he prepares them in three ways. He, first of all, gives them power. Jesus says, I give you power which is the ability, that's the assistance, that's the authorization. And then he gives them the authority. He gives them the authority. Because how many of you know that just because you have the ability does not mean that you have the authority? 
I said, just because you have the ability doesn't mean that you have the authority. Jesus gave them the power of God and the authority of God. And he didn't just give them the power, but he also gave them, number two, a plan. He says, I want you to go out by two, by two, go into different villages and different places. And he gave them what to preach. He says, I want you to preach the kingdom of God, the good news of the kingdom of God. So he gives them the power and he gives them the plan. And the last thing that he gives them is perspective. Lastly, he says, I want to give you something that you need. This is something that you have to have when you go out, and that is perspective. He's saying, I'm sending you as sheep in the midst of wolves. Have you ever looked at that passage of Scripture? I read that this week, and it just took on a different meaning for me. I read this passage of Scripture, and I thought, why did they not read this passage of Scripture to me in Bible college? Jesus says, hey, I'm sending you out. You've been educated. You've followed me. You've seen the things of God. You've seen how we operate. Well, I've given you the power. Now I'm giving you a plan. Go two by two. Go into the cities and preach the good news. I'm giving you what to preach. And now I want to give you perspective. And that is I want you to know what's going to happen as you do it. And so when you go into that city, you're going to be sheep in the midst of wolves. In other words, you're going to be a a, a mild person that's walking in peace and you're going to walk into a place of wolves and how many of you know wolves will bite you wolves what he's saying is that you're going to your disposition and their disposition is going to be different they're going to be aggressive they're going to be assertive they're going to be hostile and you're going to find yourself by being bit by the very people that you're trying to feed He's saying, you're going to try to engage in helping people, and they're going to think you're hurting them. Well, who does he think he is? Who does she think she is? She's no better than I am. Mm. Let me just tell you, I got enough business on my own not to have to get into yours. Somebody help me there. I don't need anybody else's business. I'm not here because I'm bored. I'm here because I'm called. I'm here because I love you. I'm here because God has given me a word for you. I'm here because I want to believe the best in you and pull the best out of you, and I refuse to allow you to stay in the place that you're at when God has more for you. So if I get bit, I get bit, but I'm going to keep on doing what God's called me to do. And if you get bit, then you keep doing what God has called you to do. And... I'm preaching better than y'all are amen. It's interesting what Jesus does here. He's given them perspective so that they're not surprised when the inevitable happens. How many of you know people will be people? We can't help but be people. As much as selfless as I try to be, sometimes I am selfish. As selfless as I try to be, I am sometimes selfish. Sometimes I just want it my way. Come on, somebody help me. Say, yes, you do, Pastor. No, no, I don't mean help me that way. I mean, I mean, talk about yourself a little bit, right? Like in my marriage, I have the most wonderful wife on the planet. She is so good to me. I mean, I, I am so spoiled. I was going to say highly nurtured. 
but it's spo- I'm spoiled, rotten. Really, I'm spoiled, rotten. So many things in my life. And it's amazing to me. I try to do the same thing for her because she's so giving and she's such a, she's a mom's mom. Come on, somebody say amen for the sister pastor over here. She's just that way. And so I want to be that way to, for her, right? As she's given, I want to give back to her. But sometimes, I am not the best version of the David Crawford that you all know and love. Sometimes, when the food comes to me, if I'm not careful, I'll be selfish and say, why is this not hot? In which the tater tot should go right up my nose, amen? Shouldn't it? Shouldn't the plate go bam, right across my head? I don't know if this has ever happened. It's probably never happened. But I know I've been selfish. And how many times have... Have some, has somebody been over backwards? And if we're not careful, I heard it put this way. If you give somebody a fish, they'll want fish and chips. And then when you give them fish and chips, they'll want the tartar sauce and the hot sauce and the hush puppies. But if you teach them to fish... See, when you... Begin to walk in the arm of the flesh. If you're not careful, you'll become selfish. And what Jesus is saying here is get perspective. When you're ministering, sometimes they're going to bite you. Sometimes the people that you love are going to do things. How many of you know we're family here, right? Man, we have a great church family. One of the best church families I've had in all of my ministry. But you know what family can do? Family can grade your cheese. Ain't nobody can grade my cheese like family. My brother, he knows where all my hidden buttons are. And he finds great entertainment in pushing them. When I was little, he used to push my buttons and then sit back and laugh as I went off. Right? That's what family does. I don't know why. We just do it that way. And we have to be careful that when we walk into a place that we're not walking in a place of selfishness. Jesus gives two principles here. He gives two principles, and I just want to lay these two points out, and then I'm going to finish today. Jesus gives them perspective, and He says, this is what you do when something goes bump in your life. When you feel the residue of rejection. When you feel hurt. When you feel offended. When you feel like you're trying to help and I'm trying to do everything that I know how to do and it feels like it's not being received, it feels like it's not going across, I'm trying to help my church, I'm trying to help my pastor, I'm trying to help my family, I'm trying to help my neighbor, I'm trying to help my wife, I'm trying to help my husband, I'm just trying to help God, I want you to help me. In those situations, here's what you do. Number one, protect your peace. Protect your peace. Jesus says this, If you go to a place and it turns hostile, when you leave, take your peace with you. No, you didn't catch this. I I know you just didn't catch this. Jesus said, when you're going through something and all of a sudden you don't feel peace, go back and get your peace. Take it with you. Some of you need to go back to the last relationship that you were in. And you need to get your peace back. 
Oh, I'm preaching now. Some of you need to go back to your last job. You need to get your peace back. Some of you need to go back to 2004 and get your peace back. But Jesus said, hey, it's your responsibility. Take responsibility. Go back. Get your peace and take it with you. Because, see, I can live without stuff, and I can live without things, but I cannot live without peace. The book of Proverbs says, whoever does not rule over his own spirit is like, a, is like a city with a broken down wall. When we don't control what comes in and out of our lives, we are like a city that walls are broken down and anything and everything comes in and out. Junk comes in, junk comes out. Protect your peace. Protect your peace. Has anybody ever felt like they were, they were about to make a decision, they were about to do something, and all of a sudden the, the peace of God, you just didn't feel it? What'd you do? Well, there's been two times in my life. One time I ignored the peace, and it wreaked, it wreaked havoc in my life. It was the worst season of my life. A season that I've never been through anything like that because I walked away from what I knew the peace of God was. I remember one time Deanna and I were pastoring in Springfield and I get a call from a, another pastor and he says, hey, we've got this church and it's running about 500. It has a full Christian school and, and we've listened to your sermons and we've, we've, we've had a, a board meeting already and we want to bring you up. We want you to be our pastors. And, and Deanna and I, we just kind of prayed about it and we thought, man, what an opportunity. Um, I don't know what we're supposed to do. And so I said, well, it's an open door. Probably we should go just check it out. And so we scheduled a time where we would be off Sunday. We scheduled a time for us to go look at it. And they got the hotel situation all taken care of. And Deanna and I came up to that week. And I just said, Deanna, I said, I hate to do this, but I'm going to call that church. And I'm going to tell them no. I'm telling them not coming. And she goes, really? And I said, yeah, I don't feel the peace of God in it. The situation looked good. It looked like everything was wonderful, but I'm not going to go where the peace of God is not. I said, I'm not going to go where the peace of God is not. And if you've gone somewhere and you've stepped into an area where there's no peace, go back and get your peace. If somebody's hijacked your peace, go get it back from them. Return to sender. Give it back. Forgive them, release it, and move on. Come on, somebody help me today. I can live without stuff, but I can't live without peace. He says, go back and get it. Go back and get it. The second thing he says is that go out into the street. After you get your peace, take it with you. Go out into the street and shake the dust. It's a metaphor. Watch this, family. Listen to this. He's saying, don't track the dirt of rejection from one place to the next. What he's saying is, you can't help it getting on you. Listen, you can't help it getting on you. But don't you dare let it get in you. Bitterness will try to get on you. The circumstance may happen and it may not be the best thing. It may try to get on you, but do not let it get in you. Jesus says, go out and shake it off. 
So protect your peace and shake it off. Shake it off. Don't let bitterness come in. Shake it off. Don't let sin, it might try to get on you, but don't let it get in you. Shake it off. Jesus is teaching us that there's times that we are going to face things, and when we face them, it's going to have a residue on us. But we've got to shake that residue off of us before we go on to what is next. I've often said it this way. Put yesterday under the blood so you don't drag it into today and mess up your tomorrow. Shake it off. Why is Taylor Swift going through my head? Jesus, help me. Sweet Lord Almighty, cleanse my brain. Pop culture, help us. He says, go into the street and shake that off you. Shake bitterness off of you. Shake resentment off of you. Shake that rejection off of you. Shake that hurt off of you. Shake all of those things off of you so that you don't carry it into the next village. Jesus was saying, in other words, whatever your past experience was, whatever happened to you yesterday, whatever happened to your last job, your last relationship, your last marriage, your last financial blunder, let that be right there. Shake that off so that you don't take that into the next place. So so that you don't take that into the next season. And I'm telling you that you may be walking through a very rough season. It's just that. It's a season. It's not a lifetime and you're going to get out of it and you got to shake all of that residue off so that you can move in what God has for you. So that you can be what God has called you to be. It might get on you, but don't let the residue get in you. Because when it gets in you, it contaminates you.